let me tell you something. I spent way too many years trying to get people, trying to convince people to pick me and love me and choose me. I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to do it in business either. It's okay if you don't pick me. And it took me a lot of years and a lot of counseling to be able to say that. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, y'all, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a special one for you today. We got a roofer in the house. We've got Silberia Garcia Duran. She's the founder at Red Bottom Roofing. And you just celebrated, from what I saw on your Facebook post, another 20th. And I think I know what this means, but I just wanna, I, I wanna be sure and I want you to explain it to the, the audience real quick. What is that, another 20th? So my, my husband, who we just got married July 20th of 2022, but we started dating. He asked me out, if you will, uh, to make it official September 20th of 2020. And um, it's really it's, it's really more his deal than my deal that he honors me on the 20th of every month. And um, just for him to be able to express kind of a thank you for saying yes to me um, at that time before there was any engagement or marriage. But um, it's just his way to honor me on the 20th every month. And I so love that about him. Um, I get, you know, sometimes I'm like, am I supposed to do it back or how does this work? Yeah. Um, but on the 20th, he'll either, you know, he'll express it, you know, either publicly or maybe he'll uh -huh. do a card or flowers or a gift or something. But uh, every 20th of the month, he, he expresses his gratitude for, for me saying yes to giving him a chance. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, we all have the different things that we do that keep our relationship strong, right? Yeah. And uh, for for us, it's a, it's a weekly date night, you know? And... I've heard of something similar before, and maybe maybe this is this could be where it it came from. I don't know, but uh, a friend of mine, Chris Whitehead, and his wife celebrate their anniversary every month on the twentieth. Huh. And, and I didn't know if like that number was specific for them too. I don't I was think just, so. Okay, maybe we need to look into what the twentieth like what is. But even my pastor, it's interesting. So I've attended Elevate Life for about ten or eleven years now. And Pastor Keith Craft, um, I first saw that being modeled uh, when I started attending the church. And he does the same. He honors his wife every month. And, um, you know, so which just so happens to be on the 20th. I think theirs was like January 20th when it so, began. So I was getting my people mixed up. It was yeah. Keith Craft. Yeah. Was a Chris <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard Keith speak a few times now, yeah. whether he spoke to executives or, yeah. Yeah, he spoke at MDM. He's he's spoken to executives a few times now, and uh, man, every time he speaks, I learn something new, and I realize I'm not doing enough. Yeah, I'll tell you. So, you know, uh, Keith Craft and Elevate Life Church have been a very big part, very very instrumental to my growth um, mm -hmm. over the years, and where all this began for me, um, growing spiritually and personally by attending mm -hmm. that church and. Probably over the last year or two, I really started to recognize um, 
really what's been instilled in me that a lot of people are missing. And I consider, I mean, to be the beneficiary of everything that he's poured into that church and pours into those around him um, is huge. And like you said, the few times you've heard him speak, um, he really does leave an impact. And he is who he is every weekend, every day, every time you're in front of him. And um, it's been really, really instrumental to, to who and where I am today and continue mm-hmm. No, absolutely. If uh, the listeners ever get a chance, you definitely want to look up Keith Craft and listen to some of his talks or just tune in live for uh, Elevate Worship. Because what what I like about him is he, he's the entrepreneur's pastor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he understands money. He understands business. You know what I mean? And he doesn't make you feel bad for making money and doing well in business, you know? And well, so, okay. go ahead. Well, okay. if you're part of his story, you know, he didn't become a pastor till he was 40 years old. Now mm-hmm. he was always involved in the church and he was an evangelist, but he did, um, he worked in a corporate setting. Um, and I think he was a consultant or he spoke at businesses. He was hired as a coach. So he was all that um, prior to becoming. So he's basically what he's done is he's taken his, you know, the, the success and the, the um, business practices and he's just paired them with, you know, biblical principles. Mm-hmm. So he does. He does that a lot with in his message and his delivery with the biblical principles as he pairs it uh, with business practices and how, how those two. So it's very unique. Um, it's not for everybody. He's mm-hmm. not for everybody. Um, you know, and I think I've learned that from him. You know, he's, he'll openly tell you, I'm not for everybody and that's okay. I he highly encourage you, go find your tribe, go find your people. And even that spoke to me when he spoke that many years ago. I'm like, you know what? We all get caught up in trying to make everybody be a part of who we are and understand mm-hmm. us and our tribe. And instead of just letting it go and say, you know what? It's okay that you're not, we're not aligned. Go find those ones that are aligned with you. Right. Um, you know, even in, I coach indoor spin classes. And many years ago, when I first started coaching, you know, when you have to put together your playlist, and you have a room of 40 people it's like okay do some of them like country and some of them like hip-hop and some of them like old you know old school and and soft rock and how do i put all this together and then Mm -hmm. i remember when i heard him preach i'm like you know what not everybody in here is for me or or aligned with me and so i even at that point like hey there's some wonderful instructors make sure you go and check them out you know um this is who i am and i just knew that if i kept being who i was that I was going to attract those like-minded people. And I had to give myself permission and be okay with the people that aren't like-minded doesn't mean they're against me. It just means we're not like-minded. Yeah. And I love that you're creating that filter for yourself because it's incredibly important being an entrepreneur or just being a human in general, right? To stop trying to appease everybody and trying to make everybody like you and trying to like not hurt anybody's feelings you know what I mean? You don't want to be a mean person, but in general, you be yourself. Right. And I don't think any of us are inherently mean. And so if we just continue to be ourselves, we'll create our own filter. Right. Right. Okay. So walk us through kind of your backstory a little bit, you know, uh, how old is red bottom roofing? Um, so <laughs> red bottom roofing is actually only three minutes, three months old. Okay. It's just a few months old. Um, so how long have you been in roofing about three years? Three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess walk us through, you know, what were you doing? High school, college? What's the backstory all the way up to roofing? <laughs> I 
How old which, is your podcast? Yeah, exactly. Right. Because I'm sure when you were 16 years old, you weren't saying, I'm, I'm going to grow up and be a roofer. No, it's funny you say it. it's kind of what I tell everybody. Um, what's funny about 16 years old, funny, not funny, is I was actually a mom. Um, oh, okay. So my, you know, depending on who the audience is or what direction this goes, really kind of di- di- dictates on where I began my story. But mm-hmm. I was pregnant at 15, had my daughter at 16, um, at 15 years old. Um, when I told my parents, I was I was kicked out of the house. They just said, pack your bags. And so that's just where kind of some of my, my story begins and just right. kind of into adulthood. I mean, you were forced to be an adult. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was a single mom for many, many years. And my daughter's absolutely amazing. She's 26 now. And um, what's interesting about that part of my my story is for many years, I was really ashamed of that. Um mm-hmm. And through many years of counseling, which I still attend, I'm not ashamed to say that, I recognize where that shame came from. It, you know, from a, a, just from being kicked out, right? It's like you yeah. talk about shame and guilt being projected on you. And when somebody says, well, what they, what they weren't saying directly, but what I was feeling was you're not good enough, you're right. you have failed, and so we're gonna put you out on the streets. Um, and so, you know, for many years, I was ashamed of that. And I wouldn't, you know, when I'd be around people and I got into the corporate world really young and, you know, those people around me, uh, I let them do the math. You know, they'd ask mm-hmm. my kids. I'm like, yeah, I've got a daughter. And I would never tell them the backstory um, until one right. day. I just like, you know what? There's no shame in that. And I learned to work through that shame. So that's where that story began. So anyhow, fast forward, I got into corporate world um, into banking from I think 99 to 2009. And then in the collapse of everything and, and banks were shutting their doors, I gotten laid off. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, went from, again, working my way up through corporate world and then being laid off. And I couldn't, couldn't go find a job anywhere else in that industry because nobody was hiring. I mean, banks were- Did, you, doors. did you start as a teller and kind of worked your way up to like, branch manager or something like that or yeah, how did that I actually work? started in my career in the banking world was in indirect lending so kind of the finance oh. side of dealerships and mm-hmm. it started as a loan processor and back in the day before so back in the late 90s early 2000s um you know dealerships would have a carrier take all their applications all their contracts to the bank physically and then i was mm-hmm. kind of one of those in the back processing all the paperwork doing data entry so that's where it began and then i worked myself up through the ranks to become um a loan officer or a relationship manager as we called it um during that time so i would work directly with finance managers and gms of dealerships so when they would go in and they would submit applications for people in the dealership they were basically submitting them to me and maybe some other competitors and then I would review it and all that good stuff. So um, that's what I did on the banking side. So it wasn't an actual branch um, right. within the bank. And then 2009 happened and um, everybody, you know, again, lost my job. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple years later, got married. Well, maybe about a year later, got married. Uh, I have my two boys now who are 11 and 9. And um, that season of my life um, was was a little, it was difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, there was a ton of growth. There's been a ton of growth during that time. 
Uh, we are divorced now. We got divorced mm -hmm. uh, last in 2016, and um, it was it was really hard. Um, it the message wasn't received well, and we were left with um, with nothing. We were my boys and I. Mm -hmm. um, Take your time. So uh, it's interesting. I, I still find myself trying to tiptoe around it because. I, a, I want to make sure I'm not projecting anything negatively in right. my testimony, but my testimony is mine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you need to lean into it because mm -hmm. there's plenty of women out there going through what you went through already. Mm -hmm. You've come out the other side of that, and they need to hear that story, that message, and maybe they can learn something from, from your story, you know, yeah. or okay. use it as inspiration to, yes. to get out of that situation. I'm a huge advocate for women, for single moms. You know, I think I was married for seven, eight years. And, mm -hmm. you know, everybody places judgment. And when it's like, oh, well, why don't she, she does, why doesn't she just leave? Just leave. It's that easy. Just leave. And it's not. Right. And whenever you're placed in a situation like that, and if you're a stay at home mom and you have the kids, and, you know, again, once I started doing the work on my, my history and, and looking at, where I was at that time when I was in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I started counseling many years ago, probably 2011, I think. And it was after my ex-husband had his first affair. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, and there, was, and there was alcoholism involved. And, and I finally was at a place of, I didn't want to blame anymore. Like, right. I didn't want to place blame of, you keep doing this to me, or you keep doing that to me, and you, you, you. And I finally had a moment of, Still, where, why, where in your life did this become okay? Like, mm -hmm. You're sitting in it and you can only, you know, you're the one who teaches people how to treat you. So maybe you need to look internally a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I started the, the process of, of counseling and really trying to figure out where I lost my voice. Where was it okay for me to stand in you know, verbal abuse and emotional abuse and where did that become okay? And so I stayed married and really tried to work through it. And um, here's what I've learned that I, that I tell everybody, when you choose to grow, one of two things will happen. Either you're gonna grow together or you're gonna grow apart and it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. and, and spouses and family, and business relationships, if somebody's growing, you better latch on and grow with them. And it's not this intentional like, oh, I'm just going to outgrow you and you suck and you just stay miserable. No, it's it's most people are genuine in let's do it together. Let's do it together. And normally somebody might be resistant. You know, somebody may not want to join that path or they're going to be judgmental or but it, it, it's inevitable. Somebody will outgrow the other person. Mm -hmm. And so through years of, again, just constant, I'm growing and I'm witnessing this, this kind of just staying still and not, not growing with me. And then it turns into now you're holding me back. Um, you know, and so when we reached that point, I just said, hey, we, we really need to separate. There was some there's some other addictions and other things going on. And I was like, we need to, I need to be made heal and whole outside of this. And, um, and it didn't go well and life was hell for a while. Uh, bank account was drained. 
um, basically what was said was, you know, you can leave. I pay the bills here. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when I heard that, I just, in my spirit, and I'd been growing, I was like, you know what? I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of that. You know, that's not going to hold me down anymore. That's not going to keep me back anymore. And so the boys and I packed up. We went to go live with my sister and my brother-in-law. And, you know, I look at, I, when I can look at it now and take a step back, that person was still, you know, hurt people hurt people. That's a real thing. I know kind of thrown, thrown, you know, thrown out there all the time now, but it really is a thing. Um, hurt people really do hurt people. And because of where I'm at now with grace and mercy, I can also recognize that I actually don't think that most people are being intentional when they're mm-hmm. trying to hurt somebody. They just don't know any better. Um, you know, it's very much like toddlers. Toddlers don't know. They just, they don't know how to express. And so, people tend to get mad at the toddler and like, stop crying, be quiet. La, 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 la. It's like, they don't, they don't know how to communicate like this. And adults can do the same thing. They don't know how to communicate because most of us have never learned how to communicate within our family dynamic. And so they become adults and all they know how to do is just to project, you know, they don't know how to get to the core of what they're feeling, whether it be fear or usually it is fear um then they just project with ugliness and again i choose to believe that most people don't do it out of ill intent nonetheless it hurts right so here we are we're sleeping on my sister's couch and um, fast forward a year later i find this amazing place called shiloh place located in mckinney texas um it's a women's program it's um it's it's not a government-funded program. It is a mm-hmm. program, but um, they, you have to get you have to fill out applications, go in front of the board, get approved. So they take um, they will house mom, um, single moms. Um, they up to, up to two years, and they will provide. They will pay for their education. They provide childcare. Basically, it's it's an opportunity to kind of help you and catapult you back into society when Uh pretty much got nothing. So I got, I was in Shiloh Place for about a year, year and a half. Um, And a few years ago, my brother said, hey, uh, we're gonna do this, you know, I wanna start this roofing company. He had created the name, created the the company about a year prior and said, I I believe that you're fully capable of really learning this industry. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about roofing. I was like, brother, all I know is it goes on top of the house and I can sell it. That's about it. I don't yeah. know. And he's like, you know, he's like, I, I've, he's had some experience with some previous clients and just this different stuff. And so I said, okay. I said, you know, we had a few conversations and said, let's let's do this thing. And I pretty much just dove in into roofing. And I'm like a little spider monkey. I was on top of roofs. And um, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. You know, most people make fun. They're like, I can't believe you get on roofs. I'm like, honestly, getting on the roof, it's not scary. It's getting down that really, really worries me. I was going to say, like, you know, of course, I hear Red Bottom Roofing and, you know, uh, you're, you're the owner. And I'm like, oh, okay, she's selling it, you know. And then I get on your page and like every other post is you on a roof. And I'm like, oh, she's up there, too. And she's yeah. doing some of the work, too. So yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And awesome. so and we'll get into that here in a sec. But mm-hmm. yeah, so got him on board and just really started to immerse myself. And 
you know, and then Apex came along about a year, well, about a year into my, my roofing journey. And then I came across Apex and tons of roofers in there and tons of people in the, you know, home service industry and just been able to reach out to them and so many great people that still answer their phones for me to call and, you know, just kind of pick their brain. And um, so, yeah, and just really kind of immerse myself in it. And, you know, fast forward about a few few months ago, um, yeah, my brother and I sat down and we just said, hey, there's kind of a what difference in the business structure. And uh, so we just sat down and I said, hey, I'm going to go and, and kind of start my own adventure off and God is blessing. And I uh, was super appreciative to him for introducing me into the industry. And so then here we are. Right. That is so rare. I mean, obviously you guys are family, so it's like, <laughs> it's not like you're going to have this big feud or anything. You got to get over it. You got to get back to Thanksgiving someday. I guess so. I Here's a question that you make. You do the editing on here, don't you? Yeah. Okay. So, so if I say something now, can it be edited out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we typically don't, you know what I mean? Okay. But, uh, my producer can take it out. No problem. Okay. So we'll, um, there's parts of it that, that maybe I'll, so anyways, here we are now. <laughs> yeah. um, we, we can talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because it's, it, it has been a struggle. Um, yeah. There's been some things like you just said. I appreciate you pointing that out. Not everything's going to go smooth. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think you've experienced um, separating from business partners and, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the attempt to do it as amicable as you can. And it's like any relationship. Nobody wants to see it, you know, die and, and wither away. Yeah. But um, in that you also have to stay focused on that you're truly doing what's in the best interest of yourself mm -hmm. and the enemy can really come in and attack uh, from many different people in many different ways and convince you that you're wrong um, and then having to fight that battle can be really difficult but you know every single day just standing in the mirror and saying and to me I have to constantly tell myself even multiple times a day and not just with multiple seasons of my life of still truth and lies, truth and lies. What is truth? What is truth? And reminding myself of, I know what truth is. I know what my truth is. And I know what God says my truth is. Mm -hmm. So in, in those seasons, in those battles, um, it's just a constant reminder, you know, again, as, as smooth and, 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 and easy and peaceful as you want it to be. It doesn't always work that way, but you just have to remind yourself that you have to stand in truth. I couldn't agree more. I just want to kind of go back and, and obviously commend you for getting out of that relationship first off. I'm, well, I would say the first part of it is trying to work it out, mm -hmm. right? Because that doesn't happen enough and that's happening less and less and less, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, it's like, oh, you cheated on me, or you know what I mean? You're not appreciating me, or you're not honoring me, whatever the case is. And then it's just like, snap, you know, divorces are easy. Let's get a divorce, let's move on, and let's do the co-parenting thing, and we'll we'll make that a whole thing, right? And uh, you know, I've gone through something similar, and uh, I was the catalyst, obviously, in reverse. But it is awesome that you gave that effort to work through it, and then it. You know, obviously it didn't work out and you were able to come back from that and uh, utilize the, the program that you were part of. And then eventually it's like, man, the amount of, I don't know how to say it, balls it's got to take to get into roofing. You know what I mean? Like I had a Elizabeth Calzadilla on the podcast maybe like five or six weeks ago. 
And uh, I asked her about this in general, you know, like women in roofing, like because it's such a construction heavy industry. And, you know, we all understand there's a marketing piece to it that a lot of marketing companies never touch the roofs, right? They never really transfer over. Maybe they'll hop on the roof, but that's about it. After that, the, the sub takes over, whatever the case is. But still, to be in that male dominated industry, what has that, what was the experience like for you in the beginning? And what is it like now? So I think at the beginning, and even now, so mm -hmm. there's a, a woman being in the industry has provided a softer approach. Um, I've actually found a lot of roofing owner, business owners seeking out women um, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's a lot of door knocking, right? So you have to go out and, and make sales and a lot of that consists of door knocking. And when a woman comes and knock on your door, it's definitely a softer approach. The owner is more likely to open up that door and as opposed to some big burly man that might be tatted up. And, and some of the greatest ones and some of my mentors, um, you know, shout out to David Taggart. I mean, he looks just like that, right? He's all tatted mm -hmm. up and when he walks up, but he's, he's amazing. But they're yeah. also, we're also fully aware that a woman's presence and the softness of it you're more likely to get somebody to open the door and listen to you. Um, I, I was so, and I've experienced that even when you have to meet an adjuster. So part of that process, if it's an insurance claim, you meet adjusters mm -hmm. on this on site. Um, and there's, you know, even adjusters I've noticed um, have a softer approach with me as yeah. being a woman. Um, what I did started to learn through all of this is I was like, wow, okay, so not all women are doing are, are part of the whole process. Some of them are just knocking a door, not all of them right. are on roofs. Um, yeah. And that's just, I didn't even understand that. Like I said, when I got in, I just went in, just, let's go. Mm -hmm. um, no, I just thought it was what I was supposed to do. So I was shocked when women weren't getting, I was like, what do you mean? You said that you're in, in roofing sales, but you don't get on the roof. And that's okay too, because not everybody's comfortable doing that. Right. Um, and so, the more I'm in it now and the more I'm involved, um, I think the more there is actually more respect from most, not all, but from most, because I think they're starting to see it also. Um, when I hear people say, when I show up with an adjuster meeting and they're like, you're going to get on the roof. And absolutely I am. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that there's more respect from their end too. Now that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, before I went full-time consulting, I operated a door to door sales company for 13 years, you know, and uh, at our height, we had three female managers that had worked their way up through the, uh, the different titles in the company and uh, the opportunity structure that we had in place. And what I used to always tell, you know, and, and sure enough, opportunity meetings were always like about 20 to 30% full of women, right? Because we didn't explain the extent of the position quite yet. And what I would always tell them is like, if you've ever experience any kind of discrimination you don't have to worry about that here and not because i'm so great not because you know my management team is awesome but because it's sales mm -hmm. and sales respects numbers right and if you come in and you put in the work and you put in the effort and everything and you get the numbers nobody can say anything to you right woman man black white doesn't matter right. you know what i'm saying and so uh a lot of them really liked that and they did. They quickly moved up through the ranks and they realized they had a softer approach as well, mm -hmm. that they had an advantage against all the guys knocking on the doors constantly. You know what I'm saying? When a woman comes up, you're like, oh, okay, this is different, 
right? right? It doesn't necessarily have to be sexist or anything like that. It's like, oh, no, this is just different. Right. You know, I don't see women knocking on doors. So naturally, I'm going to be curious, right? Yeah. And so it creates that softer approach. And uh, so we got to the point where we were, we were like really putting our women on social media, trying to recruit more women because they were doing so well in the industry, the ones that had the work ethic, right? Just like same as the men. And, um, you know, that was a big push for us for uh, a long time. And, you know, I think it's a huge advantage. Right. Well, see, and, and for me, and I think most women that will continue to be successful, it was really important, still really important to me that, A, I'm fully aware that I have the softer approach and most like, more likely the door's going to get answered or the mm-hmm. phone will be answered or I'm going to, I may build that trust quicker. Right. But with that, I also know that the world also knows that. Oh, is mm-hmm. it, it's because she's a girl. So yeah. for me, it's really important that I take it to the next step. So I really want to know the ins and outs. I want to understand. I, I wanted to understand the roofing system. I wanted to understand the components. I want to understand the process. I want to understand the insurance. I want to understand how to order materials. I want to understand how to schedule the crews. Like I wanted to know all of it. And I this really happened to me years ago, even when I was in banking or in the, in the banking corporate world. The department I was in, same thing. It was predominantly men. I think I was the only uh, woman loan officer in there at the time. And I'll never forget being in a meeting. One gentleman had an account that he just he just couldn't get the account going. He couldn't be successful, and he was struggling with mm-hmm. numbers from that particular account. And so they assigned it to me. And um, this was, gosh, 10, 13, 14, 15 years ago. Um, so back then, the things that happened in offices, like you could say out loud, and there's a lot of stuff that yeah. you can't say now, that yeah. all the guys would have got in trouble. Now, I grew up with four brothers, so I don't get as easily offended by things. Right. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, talk in offices that, anyhow, well, I'll never forget, he did say, he was like, well, I mean, it's because I, they assigned the account to me. I turned it around. I, mm-hmm. you know, I was making it a successful account. We had another monthly meeting with the team, and he, he flat out said, he's like, well, it's because she's a woman. Of course they're going to accept the business. <laughs> and it pissed me off. Yeah. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? And it really, it, it upset me, but in a good way. And it upset me in a way of, you know, I know my shit. Like, I knew my numbers. I knew how to, A, I knew how to build the relationship with them. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody gets used to that. Okay, yeah, there's, there's a pretty face. But they also know when somebody is just a pretty face. You know, and they also know that they they would rather send their business with somebody that they're going to trust and somebody that is experienced. So it's beyond a pretty face. Most people, you know, they're they're used to that now. They're like, okay, well, she's friendly and she's a pretty face, but we really want somebody who's got the experience and who's knowledgeable. So and that's important to me. Um, and it's okay with some folks that just want to be the 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 first face or the first door knocker or schedule appointments. There's nothing wrong with that. It is mm-hmm. super important for Sill and for me to understand the rest of the process. Um, so I think that the women that worked for you, and I think that even in, for me and in my industry and for myself, that's going to take me personal and take me further, take me where I want to go. Well, there's, you know, there's an education piece to it, right? And when you pursue that education piece, that creates the difference maker that they don't look at you as just a woman anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you're a producer, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
I always think back to uh, when I first met my wife and she was telling me about some of the things that her dad told her, right? Because we were talking about college education and of course I was arguing against it and everything. And she said, my dad told me two things when I was young. He says, you got two strikes against you. You're a woman and you're Mexican. And so the only way you overcome those two strikes, and of course this was 30 years ago, you know, the only way you overcome those two strikes is your education. Now, of course, he was talking about college at the time, but you can see it plainly with your story that because you became educated on the loan process and you were able to get that account or because you came educated on the entire roofing process instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to be a pretty face and I'm going to close deals on the front end and not really worry about how the rest of the business works because you were willing to go through that education and everything. Now you own your own roofing company. Yeah. So I and tell her that I so appreciate her parents. Um, I'll get choked up. Um, so my daughter, again, I was 16 when I had her. Mm-hmm. And I would tell her those things. She and I have a very close relationship. And as I was raising her, I would tell her, statistics show, because you were born into a teenage mother, you're more likely to be a teenage mom. Statistics show because you came from a broken home, you're more likely to be broken. You know, all those statistics, and I would tell her from the time she was young, don't be, don't be the statistic. Um, and she's, a, you know, she's amazing. She went off to call. I didn't, I didn't finish college. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she went off to Arkansas, graduated college, has a great corporate job. Um, but I did, I would tell her those things just to, you know, to show her and let her know like, Hey, this is, this is really what the world is going to look at, you know, and whether we can't control it, um, but the world is going to look at you a certain way. And because you were just born into it. And, but I was very intentional and it sounds like your, your wife's parents were too, just very intentional on how I parented her, very intentional about what I spoke into her, very intentional about truth. You know, it's not going to sugarcoat because it's not going to be sugarcoated when you get out there. So just being very intentional about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us, where did the inspiration for Red Bottom Roofing come from? <laughs> and I, heard, I heard my husband come in. He's downstairs. He wasn't here when we started, but he's here now. So yeah. I, I love telling this story. Um, and I just started telling it. So there's going to be, you know, I've gotten years that I'll get to share it. But um so uh, back in December, I got a, a Porsche Cayenne. And nice. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. I love so it. You can't, you can sell them. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there's so much I can share. So you can edit out whatever you need to edit out. I'm fine with You're that. You're good. You're good. But so first off, you know, uh, my husband and I, but last summer maybe around september october we started to look at i knew that my cars were kind of pooping out on me i had an old 2007 truck that i was using for work and then um at a, a sedan that had like 200,000 miles so i was like hey we're gonna have to start we gotta start looking for something i'm gonna need a vehicle very soon and instead of continuing to dump money in an old car so um in that process while we were looking for cars um First off, he he's really good about doing the research and homework, and he's just kind of wired that way, and he enjoys that part of it. So he's like presenting. He's like, "Well, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that?" And and uh, 
I'll share this part. There's so much, Doug. I'm telling you, we could go. <laughs> So there was, there was one day he took me to, we went to several dealerships and we went to an infinity dealership and Toyota and maybe Honda, I don't know. And I just start crying. Like super made him uncomfortable. He's like, why are you crying right now? And I just start crying. And I said, I, I'm so embarrassed. I said, because, um, I don't know what I want. I don't, nobody's ever asked me. Mm -hmm. My whole life has just been survival mode. You know, you just, you get what you get and you be grateful for it. And I was always grateful for the things that I had, whether they be used, but nobody's ever asked me like, no, you get to have what you want. What, what is that? What does that look like? And so I had to leave the lot. <laughs> we had to, we had to get back in the car. He's like, okay, it's okay. Calm down. I was like, no, I've, I've got to leave. Like, this is, it's too much. Yeah. Um, and so, so we leave and then we were at Cowboy Fit. I was, I coached my spin classes there. And one day for, he just kind of looks around the parking lot. He's like, well, if you had to pick something, you know, what could it, what would it be? And I kind of jokingly looked over at the Porsche Cayenne and I was like, oh, I said, that right there i'm thinking that will never happen <laughs> so um so we go and we actually even test drive one and i'm again thinking that will never happen it's a beautiful mm -hmm. vehicle never would i be in a porsche um again small mind poverty mentality right um, and so so um fast forward to december um he actually spoke with Keith Goss. Keith Goss. Um, I think you know Keith. <laughs> yeah, I love Keith. And um, well, was we were talking about me getting a vehicle, and I'm a roofer now. So what do roofers get? The big Mac Daddy truck, you know, F two fifty dually. And I'm like, I'm all of like five one and a buck ten. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then I'm kind of throwing a fit. I'm like, I know I should have a truck, but I really don't wanted my you know my everyday truck to be this big Mac Daddy truck. So he gets with Keith. He tells them, hey, bro, just so you know, that Cayenne falls into the same tax code, the 6,000 pound tax code is a big Mac daddy yeah. truck. So yeah. if I had to choose one, duh. <laughs> so I would have never done it for myself. But so for mm -hmm. my, my birthday back in December, my husband went through all the work, all the process, and he surprised me with uh, the Cayenne. My man. So awesome. I, I love it. I love it. And so here comes the story how the, the name came about. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, with that vehicle, I have found um, some judgment against me. Um, lost a couple of friends. Over a Porsche? Mm, because they don't see it as the Porsche. They see it as going back to, you know, when we were talking about uh, growth. Gotcha. When you start to grow and those people mm -hmm. don't identify with you anymore, yeah, then they'll that judge you or you grow apart, right? Mm -hmm. So one day he and I were talking about that and I was kind of crying. I'm like, I don't get it, babe. I'm trying to understand, you know, these people, some of these folks watched me walk through some of the hardest parts of my life. They watched me drive a little hoopty with a donut on it because I couldn't afford to put another, like the things that they watched me go through. And I told them, I said, you know, but I can't, 
I don't want to feel bad for it, for what I'm driving now. I love my car. Mm-hmm. I fucking love my car. I love sitting in that car because I feel, I, I feel royalty. I feel accomplished. It, I remember what I used to be in. I feel mm-hmm. success. It makes me feel a certain way. I feel good. I said, so I'm not going to feel bad about having this vehicle. When the enemy tells me that I should feel bad or, hey, humble yourself or whatever that's supposed to be, I know who I am and I stand in truth and I love that car. I love it. <laughs> and so during that conversation, I told my husband, I said, you know, I said, it's kind of like my red bottoms because he's bought me a couple pairs. Mm-hmm. And when I walk into a room and I and there's people that they know what that is. They can identify what that is. They can identify that it's classy. They can identify that it's hard work. They can identify that it's a great reputation. They can mm-hmm. identify, when they I see that and that's what they identify with. I said that's how I feel. I said and that's what I want my company to represent. Mm-hmm. And so my husband said red bottom roofing. I love it. It's an amazing story, first of all, right. and I think it's going to because uh, you you hear it and immediately your mind goes to, oh, Christian Louboutins and, you know, this is like, that's just a, you know, high-end roofing company, but there's, there's a whole story behind it. There's a journey behind it. And every, you know, every company name doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, mine doesn't have it, but I've had it for 13 years. So it's like, everybody knows me as that. Right. Um, but I love that yours, yours has that and you can kind of plant that flag for yourself. So let's get a little tactical just to, uh, as we're nearing the end of the show here, let's walk through kind of your sales process. All right. Are you knocking doors? Are you getting leads online? Kind of what is the prospecting process look like for you? And then when you're actually in front of the homeowner and then of course fulfillment as well. So I've been very fortunate and I haven't had to do a whole lot of door knocking. And when I say I haven't had to, I also fully aware that I'm limiting myself, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to be very, cautious and aware of not overwhelming myself right um because i know that i can go out i can knock a ton of doors and get more business um Mm -hmm. but i'm also i know what my i know what my vision is for this first year of red bottom roofing and what that looks like Mm -hmm. so i don't have to be at this point in time you know have to go get and close 100 deals this month right Um, so you're you're three months old right yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like right now you're building all the systems and processes and workflows that are going to get you to the hundred roofs. Exactly. But but patience is a virtue in this case. Right. So but with saying that, I'm also very fortunate and you know I have a really good network base, I like to think. Um, mm-hmm. and I only and that's only because it's not even through roofing. It's because over the years, um, I've been very intentional really of building a network of people and i didn't i knew why at the time but god now has shown himself of like hey i was building this for you for this very time mm-hmm. um so through my my indoor spin classes or through church or through women's groups and things like that that i had been building those relationships for 10 years and then a few years ago when i started you know the roofing industry and I really started to brand myself within the roofing industry. Those same people who have known me, like me, trust me for many years are like, okay, well now we know who to call. We know, like, and trust her. 
Um, so as far as the, the sales and generating, you know, the business, I'm mm -hmm. fortunate in that my phone has been ringing and I've been having referrals instead mm -hmm. of having to go and invest in any type of marketing ads or, yeah. um, or not doors. So let me ask you with, so right now you're getting your leads from networking and your existing relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And so is this something that like you're having a conversation with somebody and then you realize, oh, they may or may not need a roof or is it, is it more like, when you introduce yourself, you know, I own a company called Red Bottom Roofing, you know, and this is what we're doing right now. This is what we're telling the story. Or are you going in and intentionally saying, hey, I need to make sure that everybody I meet knows what I do and knows what differentiates me from everybody else. Is there a process there or is it kind of natural for you? I think it's natural. I think I naturally, um, I think I naturally want to know about others mm -hmm. um, instead of trying to sell me. Um, and then I think part of that's just natural and then part of that's just evolved in learning that nobody mm -hmm. wants to go into, you know, any type of network or go shake a hand and immediately go, Hey, this is what, this is what I do. I, I, I sell roofs. Do you need one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just been this natural, you know, um, just getting to know, meet them, not be any, anything cushy. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like, hey, let me send you my phone number. That includes a full contact of my business name and things like that. Right. Um, so that when they sit, you know, save it under there, you know, that that's what they see instead yeah. of just pushing, you know, pushing my my company name or this is what I do for a living. And then to get a little more intentional, right? Then to go find them on social media. Mm -hmm. Some of that has to do with what kind of uh, apex and build your machine it's like yeah. then you get intentional kind of behind the scenes mm -hmm. um, depending on who that person may be but you get a little intentional and go and, and engage with them um, and then just keep showing up whatever that is right if it's church or you know there, there's some settings we're always networking even when the setting is not a direct you know a networking event but you're always networking you're always meeting new people um, and I'm, I'm intentional in that area if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. So you get a referral, you meet with the homeowner and uh, they're shopping, right? Your price is more than theirs. How do you overcome that objection? By value. So, you know, I build the relation. I like to, I would like to think I build the relationship prior so that I don't, I hope that I don't have to sell them on choosing me. Um, okay. it, it, nobody's going to hurt my feelings. It's like we said earlier with about Pastor Keith and mm -hmm. having to understand that if this isn't a fit and you don't feel comfortable with me, I've got to be okay with that. Um, yeah. Now, low key on the side, it might hurt my feelings. But, you know, it's a, it's a lot better uh, crying in a Porsche Cayenne, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I trying to, um, instead of trying to sell them on why they should pick me, why they should pick me, I know why you should pick me. Right. I know who I am. I know that it also may not be a fit and I don't want to convince somebody unless I know that they're probably making a really bad decision. Um, right. Then that I may try to, you know, put some emphasis on why they should choose me. But mm -hmm. outside of that, I'm, I don't 
maybe I'm not doing it right. I don't know. It's just the way that I do it. But I don't want to, I just don't want to be that person of trying to sell you on picking me. Like there's been, <laughs> this is going to go way deep and Doug's going to be like, damn, Phil, why'd you go there? But let me tell you something. I spent way too many years trying to get people, trying to convince people to pick me and love me and choose me. I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to do it in business either. It's okay if you don't pick me. And it took me a lot of years and a lot of counseling to be able to say that. So it's okay. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, true. it's okay if you don't choose me. Um, and there's more, right? I know some in every industry, people will get wrapped up on, well, that person didn't select me. And I spent all. Mm -hmm. So what I learned too in that process is I also started to eliminate and, and look at the process of how much time I'm spending on it. Because if I tell that person up front, and you probably dealt with a lot of roofing and a lot of roofing sales, mm -hmm. is I think we all get caught up at the beginning of, of the roofing experience of, okay, I'm going to go visit that house five different times, and I'm going to go and, and try to chase yep. them down. And then they choose somebody else, and then you are pissed. And I've been through that, too. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Do you know how much time I spent over here back and forth, six different visits? And I learned about your grandma and your dog and your sister, and I sat through all your stories, and you went and picked somebody else. So what I had to learn was is I let them know up front, I'm here to do the inspection. Here's my recommendation. Here's the pictures. Here's the report. Here's my recommendation is that you file a claim. If you would like for me to be here, here is my contingency. This here says that I will show up and I will advocate for you and I will make mm -hmm. sure my presence is known and I will work work for you. But you got to sign here. And before, you know, I didn't always have that process. You know, I'm sure part of that is fear. Yeah. I don't want to sign anything, but yeah. I can't. Then I'm not so mad anymore. It's like, okay, well, cool. I didn't make six trips. I didn't have to learn about your family tree. Right. And then I'll, you know, and while you pick somebody else. So it made it easier. So I don't, I don't have to beg for it. I want them to select me and I, I know who I am, but I'm not going to try to convince you and beg you um, to believe who I am. I love it. So what's next for Red Bottom Roofing? So for this year, like, like we touched on, like really, I want to, I want to focus on implementing, you know, processes and procedures and getting organized and what that looks like, because mm -hmm. Very much so in this industry, most people um, are just thrown into it, and you know they they buy into there's great money, there's great money. You're gonna make so much money, you're gonna kill it, and you can and you will. But also, there's so many that are thrown into it that it's just go figure it out, sink or swim. You're on your own. There's a roof. You got a ladder. You know, it's like they just they're thrown into it, and a lot of them there's a you know there's gonna be a, a really big there's a big failure rate in that, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody, most roofing companies have a revolving door of salespeople because they don't implement those things. And I just, I don't want to be one of those. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I would, ideally, I'd love to bring, I'd love to find some seals in this world who mm -hmm. probably were down on their luck and, you know, bad things happen to good people and, you know, bad things happen to bad people, but whatever that may look like for yeah. somebody who is trying to come out of that, you know, because it provided me, it, this industry has provided me a means to really take care of my boys in a really good way. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to, I want to find that. I want to find, you know, I'd love to find other women who are very intentional, who are ready to take that on and want to learn and want to be more. And I want them one day to look back and say, wow, you know what? I never thought, 
I'd be able to take my kids on a vacation. And here I am taking them on some lavish trip or do something that they never thought that they were going to be able to do that when they were sleeping on a couch that they never thought that they would have a home that they could provide a thanksgiving meal and that they could organize that to invite their family mm -hmm. that's what i want i would love to bring that on but i also know to be intentional that i've got to set those processes procedures i want to educate myself so that when that person when those people do come on board that i can pour that into into them well, whenever you're ready to advertise for that position, yeah. you just need to attach this podcast to it and they'll be lining up at the door, ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. So one of the questions I like, I like to ask at the end of the podcast has to do with legacy. Mm -hmm. And so my question, my two part question is, you know, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Hmm. So it's interesting because again, at Elevate Life, we, we talk about that a lot and, mm -hmm. I think legacy and honor really um, started to resonate with me when I when I started to attend that church 10, 11 years ago. And I think what legacy means to me is it doesn't have anything to do with me necessarily. It has to do with what I'm going to leave behind mm -hmm. and what I'm going to leave through my children and what that's going to leave to my grandchildren. It means that whatever whatever wasn't provided to me or taught to me or instilled in me, it means that I can change that. It means that I can create legacy and a different trajectory for my family that years down the road, I mean, generations down the road, it, it would have started with me. That's what that looks like for me. That's amazing. Well, Syl, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You've shared so much with us and I can't wait for any, any women in roofing or even just anybody to hear this. It was uh, definitely an inspirational story. I think you may have changed some mindsets with this one and uh, even got ta tactical with the networking piece. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. Now I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for considering me. Um, you know, like I said, in the apex, um, when I made that post, you know, I know mm -hmm. this may not be your traditional show on, you know, how to scale a business and things like that. I may not be that guest yet, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe in the future. But, you know, I think that even within these industries that whenever you kind of could set that part aside and you mm -hmm. can work and focus on the individual person, you know, all that will come later. And so I'm just really, again, I'm, I'm really excited and eager to continuously share my story for those that do struggle, you know, that struggle mm -hmm. in the personal lives, as much as we want to separate personal and business, it's it's hard. It's, it's hard not to bring your personal into your business. And mostly because how you do one thing is how you do everything. So mm -hmm. whatever your personal mindset is, you're going to bring that same mindset into your business. So it's important that that personal mindset, sh mindset will shift and that you mm -hmm. can work on that and then that will show up in your business. Yeah, and I think you'd be surprised and and honestly are going to be excited to realize that what you're sharing today is what a lot of podcasts need, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of hosts need, right? So I, it's funny, outside of Apex, I have a lot of people come in on the podcast and it's very tactical. Mm -hmm. It's very about their business. It's very, you know, that business-centric type stuff, you know, but inside of Apex, it is very much the story, right? Mm -hmm. And every podcast needs that yin and yang. Yeah. And I think, uh, especially on mine, like a lot of times we'll spend 10 minutes on the tactical stuff. 
40 minutes on mindset and the story of the individual because i mean at the end of the day if you could surround the tactical stuff with the stories then you can keep people engaged and then you could actually make an impact yeah. so I, I wouldn't be surprised we give it a couple years or maybe even less than a year and you're gonna be on stage telling that story <laughs> i appreciate you thank you so much for having me absolutely let's get building Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.